Wow. Good morning. Colossians chapter 1 is where we will be this morning. Seeing those kiddos sing to the Lord like that. If that doesn't get you fired up, then I'm afraid that the enemy has blown your candle out. Colossians chapter 1. The incomparable Christ. The incomparable Christ. The Holy Spirit is calling somebody. (laughs) The incomparable Christ. We're going to take it in sections, and uh, we're going to read the first two verses to get us started, okay? Verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. God, we pray right now. God, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would hide me behind the cross. God, I pray that your word would break chains and break down strongholds. God, we pray that your spirit would set people free this morning. God, we pray that you would bind up broken hearts. And God, I pray that every single one of us here would see a glimpse of your glory. God, that we would walk out of this place, Lord, we will be humbled by how large you are and how awesome you are. God, you are incomparable. God, we surrender our hearts and our minds to you in these moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 13, you see the word there that says delivered. Your translation may say rescued. That word rescue means to draw oneself. It means to deliver. And then you'll see a word there, also in verse, at the end of verse 13, it says, and transferred. What do you think about when you hear the word rescue? You think about Superman, or you think about the police department, or the fire rescue, and then that word transfer. What do you think about when you hear the word transfer? Transfer to a different college, FedEx, UPS, Rescue, that word rescue means to, just what it means, rescue, to take out of the darkness and into the light is what Paul is referencing the church. He's telling the church at Colossae that salvation is when God takes you, your soul, out of darkness into the light. That's going to happen for some people here hopefully today. That's happened for many of us here. Before Christ, we all could say that we were dead, right? And when Christ's salvation happened, he plucked us out of that and gave us life. We were a walking corpse, and now we have life. The year was 1989, December 20th, right before Christmas. Manuel Noriega, anyone ever heard of this guy? Evil dictator in Panama. And America, the United States, would invade Panama because Manuel was an evil guy. He was a rough dude. He was evil. He was money laundering. He was a drug trafficker. He sent tons of cocaine to America. He was responsible for the death of many, many people. 
Well, there was a, a guy named Kurt Muse. And Kurt had started an underground secret radio station to help promote democracy. Manuel was getting ready to give a large speech and these underground radio guys somehow took over the airwaves and during his speech they promoted democracy. Well, long story short, short Kurt was thrown into jail and he, where he awaited execution. George H.W. Bush gave the orders to invade Panama, 1989, right before Christmas. Well, 15 minutes before the invasion, Operation Acid Gambit happened, where basically Delta forces would come in on some helicopters, land on top of the prison with the idea of setting Kurt Muse free. So they, shot, they fired off some distracting rockets. They took out Manuel's palace and other things. And then here come the helicopters. They landed on top of the prison. They spread out over the top of it. They busted open the top door, went down the staircase. There was a guard that was, his orders were, if someone tries to rescue Kurt, to, to execute him. The guards... Uh, Delta Force took out that guard. They get to Kurt's cell and they said, Moose, are you, in, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm all right. They said, stand back. We're going to blow the door. So they blew the door, walked in and said, Merry Christmas. We're here to take you home. Now, can you imagine not having any hope, awaiting certain death, and out of nowhere, there is hope? That's what happened in the heart of Kurt Muse that day. So they put a flak jacket on him, they gave him a helmet, they took him back up the stairs, get back on the helicopter, they're taken on fire from every direction, and the helicopter that Kurt is on has a problem. And it begins to go down. And so they landed in the street. And the helicopter was still going. It just couldn't fly. So basically they started going down the road like a car in a helicopter. Taking on fire from every direction. The pilot worked on the, the chopper and eventually got it off the ground again. And got 20 feet up in the air and it was shot down. Helicopter crashed. Every single person that came to rescue Kurt on that chopper was injured. They're still taken on fire. They get to a safe place, and they hide out. Eventually, they were rescued. The next day, Kurt went and found those rescuers. He didn't have a scratch on his body except for whenever he from the prison. And he looked at all of those guys, and they were in hospital beds, And Kurt Muse said that he was overwhelmed that all of those soldiers and that the United States would spend a lot of resources and time to come rescue, he said, little old me. He was blown away that they would come all that way to rescue him. And he looked at those guys and had scars and battles. And he went to each one of them and said, thank you. He was overwhelmed. He couldn't even talk. 
Friend, that's what Christ did for you and me. He came to our rescue and there was no hope. Jesus Christ died on a cross. He took your sin and my sin upon himself. Three days later, he rose again. There's scars in his hands and feet to prove it. Next, we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn. You know that by the Lord all things are created? Scripture says, in heaven and on earth. Now, I don't know where heaven is. You don't want to know where heaven is? It could be in the Milky Way galaxy. I don't know. Maybe NASA knows something we don't. But to help us illustrate the size of the universe, this is going to be the sun, okay? See it? Kiddos, can you see it? See the sun? It's really hot. So here's the sun. Now let's talk about our sun. Did you know that in our solar system, the sun contains 98% of the matter all, out of all the matter in the solar system, the sun contains 98%. This is a blueberry. And I did the math, and actually it's, it's actually smaller than a blueberry. Earth compared to the sun. You see that? NASA says you can fit over one million Earths into the sun. Easy. Actually, closer to 1.5 million Earths can fit in the sun. Did you know there's other stars out there like the sun? The sun's actually below average star. Listen to this. Eta Carinae is 5 million times larger than our sun. 5 million. Okay? So say that our sun is this blueberry. You put it beside another star, and this is our sun compared to Edekaranae. There's a larger star named Betelgeuse. Sounds just like Betelgeuse. We have several guys that work at NASA that go to our church, and so I don't want to cast judgment on who comes up with these names too soon. Aren't you glad that Psalm 147 says that the Lord counts the stars and he calls them by name? So I'm glad that the Lord actually also has a name for these stars. But Betelgeuse is 300 times larger than Edekaranae. Does your head hurt yet? Well, there's a larger star called V.Y. Canis Majoris. And it is a billion times larger than our sun. A billion times larger than our sun. And some of us thought we were so important and so large when we walked in this place today. A billion times larger. 
It's getting hot up here with this sun. I think I'm going to take off this jacket. So let's think about the solar system. How far, kiddos, how far is the sun from Earth? Anyone know? 93 million miles. Well, see, in space, our miles do not, they're not large enough to measure space. So NASA came up with a nifty idea and said, we're going to call 93 million miles one AU, one astronomical unit. And so from the sun to earth is one AU, okay? 93 million miles. So if, you, if you're bored right now, get out your calculator and punch some figures in, okay? From the sun to Pluto is 40 AU. 40. So that's 93 million miles times 40. That's how many miles we are from, it is from the sun to Pluto. Now, Pluto is considered the edge of the solar system. If you're talking about things that are actually orbiting the sun, but the actual end of the Earth's gravita- the sun's gravitational force is 120 AU. So say, say 93 million miles times 120. And that's how large our solar system is. And where does the solar system live in the, gal- in, the, in the universe? What galaxy? The Milky Way. Someone's craving a candy bar right now. To give you some context with how large the Milky Way galaxy is, if you took a quarter, I wish I had a quarter. You want to have a quarter in your pocket? The solar system, the solar system, our solar system, with very creative name, the solar system. Thank you, sir. Give it back. <laughs> you used to could call somebody in a payphone with this guy. So, our solar system. Let's say that that. This sun and Earth and Saturn and Neptune and Uranus and all that stuff and all the moons surrounding them are in, inside of this quarter. And let's place it on the ground here, on the stage. You probably cannot see that. The Milky Way galaxy is so large that NASA says that our solar system is like the size of a quarter laying on the ground in North America. You feel small yet? Some people are still confused. The quarter is, the size of our solar system is like a quarter laying on the ground in North America. I mean, that includes Alaska, I mean, all of it. Texas, that's massive. And you know the Milky Way has billions of stars in it, billions, and, and many of those stars have their own planets circling around them, billions in the Milky Way galaxy. You see, because of the Hubble Space Telescope, we know that there are now, we, we found out there are billions of other galaxies out there. Did you know that? 
billions of other galaxies. And in every single one of those galaxies are billions of stars. And so our solar system in the Milky Way, which is in a little thing called the local group, right over here in this little corner of the neighborhood, which is also in part of another little subdivision called the local cluster. And that's just this part of the universe. So the point is, we are a speck of a speck of a speck of a speck of a speck on a speck of a planet. We were in Slidell this week running an errand, and this lady said, oh, you're from Bay St. Louis. I said, yeah, we live in Bay St. Louis. She said, well, I just love Bay St. Louis. I like the ocean. I said, well, that's cool. I said, I like the ocean too. It makes me feel small. It takes the pressure off. It, it just provides instant stress relief when you see the ocean. It's kind of like looking at the stars. You just realize how small you are. And she said, well, I've never thought about that before. She looked at me like I was crazy. She said, I said, you've never thought that you were small looking at the ocean? She said, no, I've never thought about, I've never considered myself small at all. She said, I've never thought to look at the ocean and to think about myself being small. She thought that was the strangest thing. This is what's wrong with our country. This is what's wrong with us. We are so consumed about how important we are, how big of a deal we are, that we've Forget how small we are. And it should bring the, the awesomeness of the gospel should just blow us away even more. That Christ would come to this little speck of a planet and that he would spend the time searching out your heart and pursuing you and coming to save you by his grace. Verse 16 says, For not just the heavens and the earth, but things that are visible and invisible. So all the things that you see on National Geographic, all of that the Lord created, but also the invisible things, things you do not see. Germs. The wind. And then it says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Even the angels, which we know there's all types of angels, the Lord created those as well. No angelic being can supplant the creator. One of those, those angels tried to do that. We know him as Satan. He was beautiful, he was powerful. He was a worship leader, but his plan didn't work, and he became doomed to ultimate failure and judgment. All things are created for God's glory. Verse 17 says that and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You ever thought about how does the earth just hang there? Look at Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to turn there. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews chapter 1 illustrates this in an awesome way. Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses, says, Long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, Christ, and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The Lord holds the universe together. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So basically, after Jesus took on the sins of the whole world, he didn't drop a mic. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. The Lord holds all things together. Now back to the solar system, and then we'll move on. You know that there's a lot of space between Earth and our moon? Did you know that? That's why it was such a big deal that we, we made it to the moon. Our country made it to the moon. If you stacked up every single planet, and by the way, I'm no expert in all this stuff. I just took astronomy in college and it was my favorite class. So the earth and the moon, if you stacked up Jupiter and Uranus and Saturn, Mars, all of those planets and stacked them up side by side, they actually would fit in the space between earth and the moon. Wow. In fact, there would be over 2,000 miles left over. Did you know that at the center of earth, the equator, the earth is spinning at over 1,000 miles per hour? In fact, let's everyone be still and see if you can feel the earth moving. No? But we're spinning. Not only are we spinning, but we're rotating around the sun. It's amazing. There's a video I want to share. It's from Apollo 8, 1968. Bill Anders, Frank Borman, and Jim Lovell... Apollo 8, what makes this a big deal is that it was the first time astronauts, first time they went around the moon and came back towards Earth. So uh, I want you guys to see this video. Before we hit play, real quick, what makes this so special, for those of us born after 1968, it's not that big of a deal. You know, oh, I've seen the Earth in kindergarten, I've seen that picture a thousand times. But before this happened, to see this was an awesome thing. And so, what you're about to see, there were more people tuned in to live television more than any other time in history up to that point. So this is a big deal. And it was live. And what these three astronauts did is breathtaking. Take a look. And of course, we took the photograph of the famous Earthrise around the moon. Uh, and I have to credit Bill Anders for taking the picture. Uh, he claims it all the time anyway. Hey, calm down, Mama. Oh, I got a right. Oh, it's a beautiful shot. And, of course, Christmas Eve, uh, being around the moon on Christmas Eve, we thought this would be a very auspicious time to say something. The three of us selected to read from the Old Testament uh, and we had it in fireproof paper in the back of our flight manual. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth 
was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. I thought it was a very nice touch. It fit very nicely into getting away from all this machinery and let's get down into sort of the fundamentals of, of what makes all this happen. Why are we here? I liked it. We close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. When we came back, there was a lady in Dallas, Texas, who was an atheist, uh, and I don't have anything against atheists, but she sued us for the uh, mixing of uh, 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 church and state, and she said uh, that was inappropriate. Those guys were in a lot of trouble because they did that. But here's the deal. The Lord is about His glory. Because it's his earth. It's his universe. And in a moment when America was going to get the credit and the glory for showing this, how awesome was it? These astronauts were so overwhelmed by what they saw with their own eyes that they knew. They were, they, I don't, we don't know if these guys are believers. But how fitting for Genesis chapter 1 to be read. It's powerful. Finishing up, let's look at verse 18. So the Lord is the head of the the universe, but he's also the head of the church. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is who Christ is. He came to rescue. He's incomparable. He's indescribable. He's indestructible. He's immaculate. He's immortal. He's immovable. He's illustrious. He's intelligent. He's immense. He's invincible. He's impregnable. He's incalculable. And today he's inviting you to be a part of his kingdom. Christ came to do what we could not do. He made peace by shedding his blood on the cross. In a room this size, filled with this many people, there's probably many people here who do not know this Jesus. Or you may know about him. Oh, you may believe in him like the demons. They believe. But maybe you've never repented of your lifestyle sin to place your faith in Christ. And today, the Lord's here. He's just like those soldiers that landed on the rooftop. He's here. He's here to take you home. Bring you back to himself. I want to share the untold rest of the story from 
about that dictator in Panama. I discovered this this week and as I was studying that first illustration and I was blown away by what I found. Because I'd never heard this before. General Manuel Norega was led to the Lord in prison by two Baptist pastors from Texas. Cliff Bannon and Rudy Hernandez And when he was sentenced to prison, he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. These pastors convinced the judge in Florida, 1989, actually 1990, they convinced the judge to let Manuel get baptized in the courthouse. And so a portable fiberglass tub was brought into the atrium of the federal courthouse surrounded by a dozen guards. One of the most brutal, evil dictators in all of history. And they brought him in. They got, he got in the water. And he began to share his testimony. Quote, I suffered illusions of grandeur and a heart hardened to the gospel. But I received Jesus Christ as my Savior on May fifteenth, 1990. A year and a half later, the media, the press said, oh, well, he's just trying to get a softer prison sentence. These two Baptist pastors said, we've done ministry 40 plus years. We've seen many people come to know Christ, and we're here to tell you what happened that day in that prison was very real and genuine. And so they baptized Manuel, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Pastor Brandon says that when Norega came up out of the water, you could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in the room. The other pastor had an accordion, and they all sang Amazing Grace, which reverberated off the marble floor. Can you imagine being one of those guards standing there, seeing this? It's the only baptism to take place in a federal courthouse in America that we know about. See, when God starts to move, you better just hold on tight. Some people here, and you, you think, just how I used to think, how could God ever forgive me of all of my stuff and all of my sin and all of my brokenness? We should be encouraged. If the Lord can save this guy, he can save you. Do you know the Lord today? Maybe you do know him, and you just got distracted. You know, life is hard. It comes at you. You get distracted, and we get consumed about all of our problems and stress and bills and everything that we have to do, and we forget why we're placed on this earth. It's not so we can have a comfortable life here in the southeast. It's so we can be a part of God's kingdom. It's so that we can give him the glory. Your family's not, it doesn't just exist so you can have two or three kids and have a dog and a white picket fence, a nice little house with air conditioning, although AC is awesome, right? But it's so that your family can be a picture of the gospel, so that your family can be a picture of the kingdom of God. Don't you want that? Don't you want your life to count for eternity? The only thing that's going to last is what's done for Christ. Nothing else. Not how much money you made, not how nice your car is, not how cool your clothes are, 
not all the things you accomplished. The only thing that's going to matter is what you did for the Lord. Don't you want that for your life? When you go on to glory and your children are looking through all your stuff, are they going to see a life that was about yourself? Or are they going to see a life that was pursuing Jesus and serving in his kingdom? We're about to have an invitation. And you can respond just where you're at in your own way. You respond. I believe with all my heart, God's here. He's in the house, and he wants to do business with us. How will you respond to him today? Now to the king, eternal, immortal, and invisible, the only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Let's pray.